Good morning, everybody. Welcome. Good to see you. Glad that you are here. My name is Alan, and this morning we are talking about generosity and what we saw from that uh, great uh, true story was that generosity can be a beautiful and powerful thing, whether it's us being on the receiving end of generosity when, when it is coming toward us or when it's generosity coming from us towards other people, it is a great snapshot picture of the love of God. And it shows up in a number of different ways. So we are talking about generosity today. Again, I'm thankful that you're here. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. I hope that the thankfulness and the gratitude continues as the leftovers continue, that they will both kind of flow uh, still into the upcoming week. And if you are a guest with us, if you're visiting from out of town, we're so glad that you're here. Welcome. We are halfway through this brief two-week series talking about uh, Be Rich, and I'll explain more about that in just a moment. But before I do that, I want to give you an update on something that happened last Sunday. We gave a ballot out and voted on the budget for 2019, as well as some new members for our Board of Servant Leaders, and we ask those of you who call this your church home, if you would participate in that. I just wanted to give you an update, let you know that uh, all is well, that the budget was accepted, and all board members on the list were uh, ratified or uh, voted to be a part of that, so that's great. There was one new board member who just barely squeaked by, but we don't have to say who that was. <laughs> okay, that didn't actually happen, but um, but uh, so so last week we did that. Plus, I started this series, "Be Rich," and the the general concept is that that you and I, most of us, we think that we're not rich but we actually are. And so the walkout from last Sunday was, wow, I'm rich. I came in, I didn't know I was rich, and now I'm leaving with the, with the reality and the realization that I'm rich. Instead of working so hard to become rich, to get more and get more and get more, can we just step back and realize we are, we actually are rich. So instead of the conversation about how can I become rich, maybe the conversation could be, what does it mean to be rich? What does that look like? And so today we're actually talking about what does it mean to act rich? If we really are rich, then what does it mean for us to, to be rich, to live that way? And so the question this morning is actually a question that many of us don't end up asking ourselves here in our culture and, and with the resources that we have, etc. It's a question that I think is really important that many of us don't get to until perhaps later on in life. And that is the simple question of, why do I have so much? That we can't get there until we realize that we do have so much. But then to, to ask ourselves the question, what, why, why do I actually have excess? How does that work in terms of God's plan and the economy around the world in terms of how God wants to use me? What, why has God provided for me or my family or my loved ones in the way that God has provided? What's the purpose of that? That's where we're going today, really essentially talking about what does it mean to act rich? And so as we move towards that, I ask that you would bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, once again, I ask that you would come and speak clearly and powerfully here in this, in this moment, in this time together. Uh, 
Here on this Thanksgiving weekend, we are thankful, thankful for your presence, thankful for your generosity. And God, I pray that you would uh, inspire us to to live as uh, as you want us to live uh, for the purposes of your kingdom and for the purpose of our hearts. I pray that every heart here in this room would be inspired toward toward you, would move toward you in a significant way. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, last week, as I began the Be Rich series, this short series, I looked at 1 Timothy chapter 6, just one verse in that chapter. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17, where, as we looked at last week, uh, a guy named Paul is talking to a young pastor named Timothy. And Paul is coaching Timothy on how to lead a church, how to take care of things in a church. And he's saying, here's what I want you to say to the rich people. And what we learned last week is that the rich is not those folks from 2,000 years ago in and around the Mediterranean Sea. The rich is not those people who live up on the mountains of South Mountain and have to drive two miles uh, down the hill to come down to us regular folks in Ahwatukee. The rich is not the skybox people who look down upon the rest of us every Sunday morning but that we are the rich. And so that's what we looked in there, that, that what Paul is saying, what God is saying through Paul, we believe that God has inspired these words and protected them to be a part of what we call Scripture, that God is saying through Paul, through Timothy, to us as the rich was giving us a command in terms of how we are supposed to do this, how we're supposed to live life. So I want to take a look at, in fact, the next verse. Last week we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. I simply want to move on to verse 18 where Paul says this. 1 Timothy 6, 18, command them, the rich, we clearly see that from verse 17, command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds. Now I want to pause there for just a moment. We'll get on to the generosity piece in just a moment. You can see that that's coming up. But I want to just talk briefly about this good deeds part. Command the rich to be rich in good deeds. What I love about this is the heart of our Father who wants the rich to participate in His kingdom. That God doesn't just want us to simply write a check and then move on. And I know We don't write checks anymore, but you understand what I mean figuratively. God doesn't want us to just write a check because for some of us, that's the easiest thing to do. Okay, I'll just write a check and then kind of get over it or move on. But instead, God wants you, wants you and your heart and your time and your involvement. That's what we mean when we say realize your role in God's kingdom that we don't get to just watch this stuff happening. We get to participate in it. Uh, I love, uh, as as a church, watching highly successful, high-powered people in our community who are a part of our church and say, this is my church. I want to be a part of it. I don't want to just write a check. I want to be involved. This is my church, and I want to be part of it. It's, It's seeing doctors who serve in our children's ministry pediatricians who say, you know, I can pour into that part of the ministry here at the church. We see attorneys who, who, who could have 
hundreds and hundreds of dollars as billable hours. They spend an hour in student ministry pouring into your kids, into my kids, pouring into the next generation. Executives of corporations who stand at the door and hand out programs on the way in. I love that. I'm humbled by thinking about some people and what they do throughout midweek and, and all of the, the influence and power that they have midweek, and then they come and say, yeah, but this is my church, and I'll do whatever it takes in order to contribute to that. High-powered, not high-powered, rich, not rich. We all have a role to play here in the kingdom. That's the beauty of the church. We come in, and it's, it's not about the more importance and the less importance. It's everyone has a role to play in terms of serving in this area, that area, etc. And we come together and serve together. I love that. I love that about our church. I love that about um, uh, how people here as a part of this body serve in that way. Let me, let me give you a, a kind of an example. It's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a service test. A few weeks back, we had what we call Trunk and Treat, which is an event here in our parking lot where we had thousands of people in the community, lots of kids uh, come and have an event out here. And uh, periodically on an, uh, um, an event like that, there would be uh, splotches on the ground of vomit because we have children in, into whom we're pouring three pounds of candy and then saying bounce on this one, then bounce on that one, then bounce on that one, over, late into the night. So it should be no surprise to us that periodically there's a little vomit collection on the, on the parking lot floor. Now, here's the vomit test, the test of service. Who's going to clean that up? I mean, who, who, who's going to clean that? Does anybody want to clean up vomit? Does God make the, the more prone to cleaning up vomit people and then some people he created less prone to cleaning up vomit? No, 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 no. Nobody wants to clean it up. So the, the big test is then who's going to do it, whether it's actual vomit on the, the parking lot uh, or uh, on the ground of the parking lot or in your home, it's your own kids, it's somebody else's kids or whatever. Who's going to clean it up? Are we going to be the kind of people who say, I'm not too powerful too smart, too influential, too arrogant, too rich to clean up that kind of mess? Or are we going to kind of be the kind of people who say, I didn't see the vomit. If I didn't see it, I don't have to do anything about it. I just walk around it. What kind of people are we? Are we going to say here in this holiday season, are we going to say, I will let somebody else in front of me at a line at, at, a, at, a, at a store. Somebody else who seems to be in a panic, seems to be their whole season is resting on this moment and they are just right at the very edge of sanity. Are we able to say, you know what, I'm going to let you go ahead. I'm going to let you, let you go ahead. Are we the kind of people who are gracious at a restaurant when the service is poor and we're walk, watching the person walk around and give everybody else attention and water and not coming to us. And How are we going to handle those situations? Are we the kind of people who clean up a mess even though it wasn't our responsibility whatsoever, whether it's at home or with your roommates or whatever the thing might be? What kind of people are we? Paul says, command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds. And then he says, than to be generous and willing to share. 
There's the word generous. Last week I looked at a word in verse 17, the word arrogant, and made the point that nobody likes arrogant. There's nothing good about arrogant. I've never heard anybody say, he is arrogant, but in a good way. We've never heard that phrase. That just doesn't happen. On the flip side, everybody loves generous. That, that generous is a universally embraced and loved uh, uh, description. I've never heard anybody say, she is so generous. She drives me crazy with all that generosity. I've never heard that phrase. That, that, okay, think about the most generous person that you know. Just, just pause for a moment. Think about a family member, grandma, Think about a neighbor, think about a coworker, think about a friend from way back. Think about the most generous person you know. My guess is that's one of the greatest people you've ever known. I mean, anybody who's generous and known for being generous, that is a universally celebrated trait, quality. That everybody loves generous. Last week I said the phrase, most of us think that we're not rich, but we are. That's just half of the thought. The second half of the thought is this. Most of us think that we are generous, but we're not. Most of us think we're not rich, but we are. Most of us think that we are generous, but we're not. Now, before you start throwing things at me, this is a no-fruit zone here. Let me just kind of, let, let me just try to explain what, what I mean by that. And you can disagree with me. You know, it'd be a great conversation to have with others. Is that true, what, what, what Alan just said there? Do you agree with that, et cetera? The reason I would say that is that most of us think we're more generous than what we are because we practice responsive giving. Responsive giving is that when we become aware of a need, we respond to it with generosity. We become aware of some kind of need. There is a, a Girl Scout who comes to the door and rings the doorbell, and she looks so cute in her little outfit, and so we are willing to buy cookies and consume large amounts of sugar on behalf of the Girl Scouts of America. And so we are generous in that situation. We respond to, hey, she's selling cookies. I will buy the cookies. This time of year, we come out of a store, and there is a Salvation Army Santa uh, ringing a bell. And we say, well, I'll respond to that. I can participate in that. I, I don't have to ignore that. I can drop a, a dollar or a few bucks or whatever that, that might be. That's responsive giving. That there is some video or story or commercial that pulls on our heartstrings, so there's an emotional pull, and so then we respond. If we consistently respond to those needs in the world or around us and opportunities around us, we respond here, we respond there. We believe or feel that we are generous people. The problem is that in between those opportunities for generosity, if we're only responsive givers, in between those opportunities, we don't think much about generosity. There's no need to. We just don't think about it. It's not on the radar. We don't think about generosity. It's like your car starting 19 out of 20 times. The 19 times that it starts, 
It's no big deal. You're not thinking about the car. You're not thinking about car maintenance. You're not worried about it at all. Just boom, boom, starts, no problem. But on that 20th time, you are thinking very much about what's wrong with this car. This, car's, this car never starts. Well, no, it started 19 times. But, but now, on this 20th time, we're very focused on it and think, well, I got I to gotta pay attention to this. I got to do something about this. I might need to do some maintenance. It's been 30,000 miles. Maybe I should change the oil. You know, whatever the thought might be. And so on that one time, we are thinking about it more. So then, then, then it, it, it that we think that that's all that the story is, forgetting the 19 times. Responsive givers don't think about generosity between the opportunities, but they give on those moments um, when there is a need. And so because of that, my guess is that most of us think we are more generous than what we are. Some of you right now might be thinking, Alan, I don't really care what your guess is about my generosity. I don't really care what you think. I don't care what your opinion might be about his or her generosity. You might be thinking, I want evidence. I want numbers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. (laughs) Well, maybe you can. In fact, I think you can. So let me just share a little bit of truth, a little bit of numbers, just so it gets away from anyone's opinion and gets into the empirical for just a moment. Just a couple numbers that I want to share with you. We have looked back at uh, giving for 2018 so far. And so far in this calendar year, there have been 1,137 givers, adult givers registered as a part of our giving system. 1137. Now, that is less than the number of adults who attend on, a, on any given Sunday. It's significantly less than the number of, adult, of adults who would call this their church home, who would say, this is my regular, my regular church. You know, we get uh, 4,000 or so for Easter and Christmas and such. And so, so 1137 is significantly less than that. Of those 1,137, only 226 give on a regular basis. 226 give on a weekly or a monthly basis a regular, systematic way of giving. And that 226 give the majority of our giving as a church is from that, from that group, which is only about 17% of our average adult attendance on a Sunday, which means over 80% do not give on a regular basis. What, what that means empirically, is that generosity is not so much connected to responsive giving. Generosity is fueled and connected to disciplined giving. Responsive giving is great. It's great. I'm not, I'm not dogging responsive giving. It's a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. In fact, we as a church are historically great at responsive giving. When there is a need, we set it before you all and you respond to it. A few years back, there was a little bit of water that entered into the auditorium and it turned into a lot of water and it did a half a million dollars damage. Once we found out that number and what it was going to cost to replace the seats and everything, you all raised a half a million dollars in one Sunday. You all are responsive givers. It was amazing. It was just this great time for us as a church. Responsive giving, frankly, is more fun. 
There's a lot of joy and pleasure. You feel good about responsive giving. There's a need. I'm going to respond to it. Discipline giving is about having regular, systematic, percentage giving. And that is usually more difficult. That's the one that is usually more difficult, but I think it is so much more powerfully connected to generosity. If you want to move from, I think I'm generous, to I know I'm generous, then we add discipline giving into our practice. That's, that's the benefit of discipline giving, to say, I know I'm generous. I, I, I know I'm living, I'm surrendering my heart, I'm trusting God every month out of the year. That's the beauty of it, that, that discipline giving doesn't require us to be reminded by somebody else or some story or some need. It doesn't require our emotional heartstrings to be pulled. Discipline giving also frees us up to be able to say no to some things, to say, you know what, I don't, I don't feel the need to participate in that particular need. I, I know I'm living uh, a, a a generous life, and so then I get to decide which things over and above my discipline giving that I get to participate in, and I do that guilt-free, knowing that I am absolutely in line with what God's challenging me to do and to be part of. Again, I'm not, I'm not dogging one. It's actually, it's both that is ideal. It's to live a life in response to being rich that is both a responsive giver and a discipline giver. A disciplined giver responds out of a grateful heart. So here it is, Thanksgiving, and it's just this season to be grateful for all that God has provided. And so a disciplined giver says, I'm grateful, I'm thankful for, for, for all that, that God has for me and my family. I'm thankful, personally, I'm thankful that I get to enjoy up to 90% of my income. That Scripture lays out a, a tie, the percentage discipline giving. It is a first fruits concept that, that when something comes in, we say, it's all yours anyway, God. It's, 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 it, you provided everything. And what you're saying is you want us to trust you with a percentage off the top, and then I get to enjoy to save to buy a car, live in a house, whatever, with the 90% that is left over. I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful to give to a church that is passionately pursuing Jesus. That we're not just playing church, but we, we serve and we do a children's ministry for your kids to help them understand the basic stories of Jesus and how much Jesus loves them. That we serve in, in student ministry and have a dedicated space and leaders and staff who want to pour into the next generation. I'm grateful to be a part of a church that, that does that, part of a church that midweek addresses issues of addiction and, and depression with men's groups and women's groups and has Marriage Mondays on Monday night that is focused for any marriages in the community come and we will love on you and help you in any way that we can. I'm grateful to be a part of a church like that, so I, I want to give in a disciplined way towards those and other ministries. Disciplined givers give out of a grateful heart. Responsive givers give out of a broken heart. 
And again, that's a good thing. That's a good thing to sort of say, I'm going to respond to this because I feel the need. I understand the need. I understand the heart of God for that situation. And I want to participate. For example, you may have received this on the way in, our, our Christmas outreach offering. And there's a number of things listed on there. And so responsive giving says, my heart breaks for that part of the world or for what our church is doing there. I want to participate in that. I'm broken for that. I want to make a difference here in this community, here in this city, around the world. So I want to participate. I want to make a difference. Responsive givers give out of a broken heart. Personally, I think, I think most of us lean towards one or the other kind of more naturally. I lean towards disciplined giving. That I, I can more naturally give out of a grateful heart. I have a very grateful heart. And so uh, I'm so thankful, and so disciplined giving is, is not an issue for me. What I continue to learn after decades of following Christ is to learn how to give out of a broken heart, to allow the Holy Spirit to use that to be part of my story with God. What about you? How is, how is your generosity connected to either a grateful heart or a broken heart? How is God using those situations, those moments in your life. The last phrase that, that Paul uses here in this verse, he says, again, command the rich to be generous, and then he says, willing to share. Command the rich to be willing to share. How many of you like chocolate chip cookies? Good. I see a number of hands went up. And then a bunch of other liars. <laughs> so what I have here are some freshly baked chocolate chip cookies. Oh yeah, there's definitely an aroma coming from that. And these aren't, these aren't leftover Thanksgiving cookies that I'm just trying to get rid of. No, I made these last night. I whipped these up last night. I baked them last night and fought my kids off so that there could be some available for this morning. Delicious chocolate chip cookies. Now, of those who said that you do like chocolate chip cookies, um, can I see a hand again? How many, how many like chocolate chip cookies? Okay. You, sir, uh, you know what? It's interesting. I don't think you raised your hand the first time, but okay. Just, I'm, not, I'm not calling you out, sir. I'm just, okay. So can you tell me your name? Mark. Mark. Great. Thank you for raising your hand here. And uh, so, Mark, Whose cookies are these? I guess they're yours. He guesses they're mine, okay? He's hoping something else, but he, he understands based on the information you have, they're my cookies. It was my ingredients. I did the work last night. I made the cookies. I brought them here. It's even my plate, okay? So these are my cookies. There's no real debate about that. And so what's the natural thing? There's two cookies on the plate here. There's two of us. What's the natural thing for me to do? Give one to me. Give one to you, right? Or what's the last word in that verse? Share. If you've got a seven-year-old kid and the, and the seven-year-old has multiple cookies or toys or whatever, it's, it's a natural thing for any and all of us, leading kids or parents or whatever, we say, you got to do what? you got to share. It's just a natural part of humanity. You have more. The other person has less. You share. And so that would be a natural thing for me to do. <laughs> to share. 
Now, I could tell you, Mark, that I genuinely want you to enjoy these cookies. I do. I want, they're well, good. And I want you to get that taste on your mouth. Maybe, you know, split it or whatever that might be. I genuinely, excuse me, <laughs> want you to enjoy this. And, I could, I could even pray and say, God, would you provide for Mark? Would you allow him to have one of these cookies like me? Because this is so God. God, would you take care of Mark in this way? Because he seems like a good guy. I got a little left over here. I'm going to save that. But thank you for your time. Okay? Everybody give Mark a hand. I have a hidden set of unbitten cookies for you to enjoy. There you go. There you go. Now, me giving you those cookies, it doesn't help my point. I just, I just don't want to come across as too much of a jerk. So kind of balance that off uh, just a little bit there. But the, the point I'm, I'm trying to make is just there's just a simple natural expectation that we would share. You ever heard the phrase, to whom much is given, much is required? Some credit that phrase to John F. Kennedy, that he had said it in a speech. And so some actually said that's where the phrase had come from. Others say that that phrase came from Anyone? Spider-Man, Uncle Ben says to Peter Parker, with great power comes great responsibility, very similar to that phrase. But you can back up a little bit further than that. About uh, 2,000 years, there was this guy named Jesus in Luke chapter 12, you can look it up, who basically says, to whom much is given, much is required. We're not talking about socialism here. We're not talking about an economic system. We're talking about the fact that most of us here in this room have two cookies. And that many in the world, many here in our city, have none. And so this, this I think, profound question I asked at the beginning of what, why do we have so much? It could be answered as simply as God saying through Paul to Timothy and then to us, be generous and willing to share. Why do we have so much? So that we can share. So that we can experience the joy and what, is, what seems like the right thing to do to simply share. Most of us don't think we're rich, but we really are. And most of us think we're generous, but even statistically, I would say, according to Scripture, we're really not. So as I close here today, I want to ask you to just think about and pray about three things. Think about and pray about three things in terms of generosity. One, 
is this Christmas outreach offering. And these are things that we are targeting in 2019, and we want over and above our our regular budget, we want to be able to fuel these things that we feel God has called us to do. That offering is going to happen on December 16th, and that is a responsive giving opportunity. It's us looking at this stuff and saying, which of these things break my heart, and therefore I want to be a part of that? You can be a part of it through giving. You can be a part of it through learning more about it so that you could participate in the ministry, etc. But it's a responsive giving opportunity. Would you think about and pray about that? Secondly, would you think about and pray about year-end giving? That for most of us, as we consider taxes, etc., there is an increase in, in giving at the end of the year as we think about how everything has landed, etc. I just ask that you would keep your church in mind and not assume that Mountain Park has everything taken care of. We are currently financially in the black, which means that we are spending less than what's coming in, which is good. We are conservative in our spending, depending on what's happening. But our giving currently is under our budget for 2018. What that means is we're not able to do some things. We're not able to make some hires that we would love to make to continue to serve you and serve our community. So I just ask that you would think about, pray about your church here as part of year-end giving. And then number three, and this is the big one for me because I think this has the greatest impact on your heart, on your generosity, and that is that you would consider what your giving would be like in 2019. January is going to come real quickly, and that you would consider this being the, a year where you could become one of the 226, that you would enter into disciplined giving, systematic, regular percentage giving, starting at the beginning of the year and just saying, okay, maybe we start with 2%, 4%, whatever, that we would just start and say, God, I want to draw closer to you by trusting you in this area that I've never done before. I just ask that you would think about and pray about that for 2019. Folks, you and I are rich. We're rich. So let's enjoy it. Let's act like it. Let's live like it. Let's give like it. That's what I think our Creator is calling us to and what our hearts would benefit from. I want to pray with you before we dismiss here today. Would you bow your heads? Father in heaven, I, I, uh, I know that this topic can be uh, one of the most uncomfortable for, for many as a part of, of our journey with you. And I, I understand that we wonder about motives and, and why is this topic being brought up, etc. God, I pray that you'd protect us from anything that is outside of your love for us. You would protect us from any decisions in this area that that feels like an arm twisting or that that is anything that is outside of you calling us to the beauty of generosity, to the freedom of generosity. So God, as we think about and pray about our own generosity, God, would you draw us into deeper and more meaningful relationship with you? God, would you help us to experience that, to experience the joy 
of what you're calling us into. Help us to trust you more in every part of our lives, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.